0: Today is Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. On this day in 1979, Francisco Macias Nguema, the brutal dictator of Equatorial Guinea, was executed for crimes against humanity, including genocide. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the reign and execution of Equatorial Guinea's brutal dictator, Francisco Macias Nguema. Let's go back to September 29, 1979, around high noon. On the blistering hot morning of September 29th, 55-year-old Francisco Macias Engema sat in front of the Special Military Tribunal and awaited his fate. Next to him were 10 other defendants, including aides and other administration officials. Deep down, Engema must have known that the end was near. In the last five days, Witness after witness had testified that they'd seen Ngema commit some of the most heinous crimes in Africa. Even the men standing beside him, sycophants he put in power, decided to turn. When asked who was responsible for the embezzlement, the abuse of power, the mass murders of ethnic minorities, they pointed their finger at President Francisco Macias Ngema. Ngema, though, knew he needed to stand firm. He was going to make one last attempt to save himself. The prosecution read aloud their requests for the appropriate punishments. In response, Ngema was allowed to make a final case for himself. He cleared his throat, he turned to face the eyes of everyone in the court, and then Ngema began his long diatribe, Highlighting all of the good that he had done in the previous 11 years as president, he claimed that under his leadership, Equatorial Guinea's infrastructure improved drastically. His government built public housing, bridges, roads, stores, and schools. And when he took over the various plantations, it was to feed the people. Most importantly, he emphasized that he'd expelled the Spanish colonizers from the nation. Before the mid-1960s, Equatorial Guinea had been a Spanish colony. Once the country became fully independent, Ngema, as president, led the charge to remove all Spanish expatriates. In his view, they were exploiters. Their expulsion was intended to help the young nation flourish. When it came to the charges of torture, mass murder, and ill-treatment of prisoners, Ngema didn't so much as deny the accusations. Instead, like his co-conspirators, he shifted the blame. He was, as he put it, head of state, not a prison warden. Ngema closed his speech by asking for a pardon and requesting that all of his divested assets be given back to him. In return, he promised to live quietly in his hometown and refrain from politics. The military tribunal denied his request, and at noon on September 29th, they declared that President Francisco Macias Gama was guilty on all charges. His sentence? Death. Under Engema's reign, Black Beach Prison had become notorious for its brutal treatment of prisoners, especially political ones, now Engema was one of them. He walked to the prison's execution field. Engema wasn't alone. Six of the 10 men who stood trial with him were also sentenced to death, and none of them were allowed to appeal. Engema stood in front of a firing line made up of Moroccan soldiers. As president, Engema had built up a cult of personality that included a supernatural element he claimed that he could control tigers. The grand irony being that the closest tiger was roughly 5,000 miles to the east in Asia. Unfortunately, the average citizen of Equatorial Guinea bought into Francisco Macias Gamas' lies. Soldiers in the country's army feared that if their bullet killed Ngema, he would come back in the form of a tiger and haunt them. So, Moroccans were used. At 6 p.m. on September 29th, 1979, Francisco Macias Ngema was executed. As it happened, it was the 11th anniversary of the day he was first elected president. Over the course of those 11 years, tens of thousands, maybe even more, died premature deaths. Now, the man who some called Africa's Caligula joined their ranks. Coming up, we'll explore the reign of Francisco Macias and Gema hey listeners i want to take a quick moment to introduce you to the newest parcast original on the block it's called incredible feats and it's a short weekday show hosted by comedian dan cummins every weekday dan shares a true account of physical strength mental focus or genuine bizarre behavior going behind the scenes and into the achievements of world-class athletes like dean Carnassus, who once ran for nearly 81 hours without stopping And performance artists like Lucky Diamond Rich, who boasts layers of tattoos in the most unlikely places, and even everyday people thrown into extraordinary circumstances. Like Juliana Kopka, who was forced to survive alone in a rainforest for 11 days incredible feats is offbeat entertainment that's sometimes weird sometimes wonderful and always surprising new episodes air daily monday through friday search incredible feats and follow free on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts ryan reynolds here from int mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices On September 29, 1979, Francisco Macias Nguema, the dictator of Equatorial Guinea, was found guilty of various crimes against the nation, including genocide, mass murder, treason, and embezzlement. For his crimes, Nguema was summarily executed by firing squad. His death put an end to 11 years of terror a terror that came about during the power vacuum of Africa's decolonization. When Francisco Macias Nguema was born in January of 1924, Equatorial Guinea was a Spanish colony, a small one. Located between Gabon and Cameroon, the country consisted of roughly 10,000 square miles of mainland called Rio Muni, and a few islands, most notably Fernando Po. Today, Fernando Poe is known as Bioco. It was the island of Bioco that first drew colonizers into the area, first the Portuguese and then the Spanish. However, the local population on the island, known as the Bubbi, made it difficult for either the Portuguese or the Spanish to successfully set up a colony. For hundreds of years, the island was more or less inactive. However, when Spain lost the Philippines and Cuba in the Spanish-American War, they returned to Equatorial Guinea to build up their economic interests, namely by establishing cocoa plantations. What resulted was the brutal treatment of the Bubi people on Bioko Island. Eventually, around the time Francisco Macias Nguema was born, many of the Bubi fled the island and moved to mainland Rio Muni. And this occasionally put them in direct conflict with the other major ethnic tribe in Equatorial Guinea, the Fang. Francisco Macias Ngema was allegedly the son of a Fang witch doctor. Ironically, despite the Fang being even more vocal about independence from Spain than the Bubby, Gama himself loved the Spanish, at first because through the Spanish, Ngema found a means to extort his own people. He got a job with the colony administration as an assistant. From here, he began to abuse his power for personal gain. But during the mid 1960s, Equatorial Guinea transitioned from a colony to an independent nation, and Ngema switched allegiances. Soon, he was giving anti-Spanish speeches and they earned him a wave of support. By the end of September 1968, Engema had been elected Equatorial Guinea’s first president. Within three months, Engema would turn the young nation into a massive graveyard. Engema had an inferiority complex, Always a weak student growing up, Engema grew to hate anyone considered intelligent. Once he came to power, he secretly turned his private army, known as the Macias Youth, on the country's intellectuals. He threw many of them in prison and then had them brutally executed. Next, Engema turned his attention on the remaining Spanish expatriates. Many of those Spanish businessmen initially saw the election of Ngema as a good thing. Though they knew he hated the Spanish government, they believed Spanish businessmen were safe. They were wrong. In March of 1969, Ngema turned his inflammatory rhetoric against all Spanish, not just the government. With the Messias youth terrorizing the intellectuals, many Spanish residents feared they were next. A mass exodus occurred, by the end of the month, 92% of the Spanish population fled, nearly 7,000 people. With the Spanish expulsion, Ngema had free reign to do whatever he desired. No one was able to stop him, especially with the ruthless Macias youth at his side. In the months that followed, Ngema had bubby politicians arrested and executed. From there, he forced many bubby citizens into forced labor on the now-vacant Spanish cocoa plantations. Conditions in Equatorial Guinea got so bad so quickly that one human rights researcher called the country the Dachau Concentration Camp of Africa. For the next decade, Ngema ruled with an iron fist. He had the constitution rewritten and named himself President for Life, essentially turning Equatorial Guinea into his personal fiefdom. Men, women, and children were arrested or tortured at the drop of a hat. Whole villages were burned to the ground, Depending on the source, anywhere between 20,000 to 100,000 people were murdered. Many of the victims belonged to the Bubi tribe, though Fang people weren't entirely safe either. As if his brutality wasn't enough to keep his hold on power, Ngema also built up a cult of personality to instill fear. He claimed that he had supernatural powers, in particular, the ability to control tigers. And still, in spite of that, during his final two years in power, Ngema became increasingly paranoid about coups. In the summer of 1979, that paranoia drove him to execute several of his own family members. And fearing that he might be next, Ngema's nephew, Teodoro Obiang Ngema Mabasogo, decided to strike first. In August, Obiang led a military coup against his uncle. After days of bloody fighting, the military finally arrested Ngema on August 18th. A month and a half later, Ngema was dead. Unfortunately, the removal of one dictator resulted in the ascension of another. 40 years after deposing his uncle, Teodoro Obiang remains in power as Equatorial Guinea's second president. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For a more in-depth look at the life and crimes of Francisco Macias and Gama, check out Dictators, a ParCast original. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Today in True Crime for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey, Parcasters, don't forget to check out the brand new Spotify original from Parcast, Incredible Feats. Join host Dan Cummins as he explores true accounts of weird, wonderful, and all-out wild achievements. New episodes premiere daily Monday through Friday. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.